fadeaway with a hand in his face in the air for the win! Yes, It fly and Carl Anthony Towns drills it at the buzzer. A catastrophic finish for the Grizzlies. Welcome to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Your home for the best Wolves talk around. Wiggins spots up there deep three. He's got it. He scores it at the buzzer to give the Timberwolves the victory. Welcome in to another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson, and we are joined, as always, by Chris Emerson. Chris, how you doing? Doing good. Doing warm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If if you don't live in Minnesota, well, you probably live in America, and you know that it's an absolute uh, – it, it's it's pretty hot right now in uh, in the Midwest. And Jared, how are we doing? Yeah, well, warm, warm about describes it, but I'm doing good. Um, I'm kind of excited for a little bit of a free flow podcast, uh, something that we don't normally do here. So this one might be a little bit fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so let's just get right into it. The NBA playoffs going on right now. Uh, when we're recording this, it's just starting the second round, although some game, some series have gone to the second uh, game in the series. So let's just get our initial thoughts Um let, let's start with you, Chris. What what it what has been your initial takeaway from the these playoffs so far, or what what do you want to start with? I mean, I'd say you know it was surprising to me to see. Um, I guess it's surprising, but maybe it shouldn't be. But to see the Lakers falter so easily, but mm-hmm. then you know, just like we've been saying all year, as Timberwolves fans, when you don't have a max player um, healthy you're dead, you know, like your team is trash, just like Golden State was last year, just like we were without Cat um, or without D'Lo. And just like when you lose, you mm-hmm. know, Anthony Davis, you don't have – that. that's the beauty of a salary cap sport, you know. Like you can't be like the Yankees and lose a top pitcher and just roll out another Cy Young guy. Like if you lose Anthony Davis, you're going to get trounced because that's you just don't have the talent to make that up unless you've you know built a team with young cheap contracts luckily or something so mm-hmm. it was surprising to see them go out but even before that just how kind of mediocre they're playing um you know a lot of it probably because they haven't had much time but so that was it um I was happy to, I'm happy to see Denver playing well even though um Jamal Murray's out huge Denver fan and uh I mean, Jamal Murray's a bona fide stud, and I really wish they could have been fully healthy. I think it would have really changed the way the playoffs are looking. Um, I was happy to see John Morant. Um, Mm -hmm. John Morant, to me, is pretty hot and cold. Like, sometimes he's unstoppable and sometimes he's not, but he was unstoppable this playoffs, and that was cool. I hope that continues for him. Um, Yeah, Dallas – I mean, it was just—it's been good so far. It's been just good basketball. Um, mm-hmm. I like to see the Heat lose. I was happy for that. Yeah. Um, I like—I like to see the Knicks get trounced. Uh, I was happy for that. So yeah, everything's kind of turning up for me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll, we'll get into some of that stuff deeper. But initial thoughts, Jared. What? What your initial thoughts on the playoffs so far? Um. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of going. 
how I would expect it to, to go outside of the Lakers. Um, the Lakers, the biggest thing for me, and I know I, I might have mentioned this um, in some of our previous podcasts, and, and some of the listeners might might recall me saying this, but I said one of the biggest things that, that was a head-scratcher for me with the Lakers was Andre Drummond. Like, they went out to get this guy, and he was playing – like 19 minutes almost all throughout the two months that they had him. Like he never got his minutes ramped up. They never established his role. And I'm not saying that Andre Drummond can be an absolute difference maker in a series, but I think if his role was established more, like like this dude got benched for Marcus Hall, who's like 100 years old. Like, 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 and this is going to tie into some of the coaching ties that we talk about later um, on. And I, I have. Uh, a ton of a ton of information on that but um outside of that um i expected the hawks and and nick series maybe to go to a little bit longer but i mean i expected the hawks to win so that was no surprise to me i'm ready to crown the nets um i was ready to crown them almost before the playoffs started i had some ties with the lakers um i just liked the lakers and and their their build but you know when you look at the lakers like Outside of the stars, because everyone's got stars, you know, everyone has stars, stars in the building in the playoffs. Like, are you expecting Dennis Schroeder and 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 uh, and Alex Caruso? Like, their role players were just, mm-hmm. they just weren't there. You know, like they would have, they have to, no shooters. They have nobody to shoot the ball. Like, unless they shoot thirty five percent from three, they're going to lose games. Like, they just don't have the role players on the Lakers team. Um, but uh, in, in looking at other series, uh, my favorite series was obviously the best series, and it was probably everybody's favorite series. And it was it was Luca versus the Clippers, and I and I say that, and and I don't just say that to say that like, oh, the rest of the rest of the Dallas sucked, but they did. You know, the rest of Dallas absolutely sucked. You know, it was Luca versus Kawhi and Paul George. That was my favorite series. And I have some coaching points in that series to talk about later on. Uh, that's going to be a fun, a fun thing for me to talk about. Um, not something that I get to talk about a whole lot uh, doing Wolves podcast, but on a free flow one, it'll be fun to talk about. But yeah, at this cert, at this point in time, I mean, I'm ready to crown the Nets. And in the West, I think it can get super interesting. Um, I would be very surprised to not see the Clippers rep- represent the West. Um, at this point in time, but um, that Jazz Clippers series is going to be a hell of a lot better than this uh, this uh, Denver this Denver Sun series, in my opinion. Okay, interesting. Well, that my take is first of all, Trey Young is amazing. Like some of, and it, it almost it almost harkened back to like some of the some of the stuff that we got from Reggie Miller at MSG. Like remember when he he did the choke thing to Spike Lee. And then you had Trey Young do, taking a bow after hitting that three. Like that's the stuff we need in the playoffs. Like that's that that's the kind of stuff that people will remember. And also, just how about yeah, how about that and John ja Morant? Just great um, first appearances in the playoffs. Just a great great job by them. Also, uh, my my other big takeaway from it is look at. Like, so the Timberwolves are kind of like the Suns in a way, where they, I mean, they made the playoffs in 17, but this is a completely different team. Why not, like, what? why not have us pull a Suns next year? Where, what? why not be like the two-seed or something? And why not um, um, beat, beat the top dog in the, in the first round of the playoffs? Like, 
I don't know. It's just watching the sun gives me hope. Like 11 years not making the playoffs, and then they get the right guy, they get a veteran, and then boom, they make it happen. Jared, you had some? Yeah, you know, you were talking about the uh, about the Hawks series, and, and this is one thing that I absolutely loved about that series, is it almost you could feel the energy in the building, even though the Knicks were getting – they were getting shat on for the most part, you know, like mm-hmm. it, I loved hearing the, you know, the F you Trey Young's and the, and then him responding. And like, you just love that type of energy in the playoffs. when it mm-hmm. comes to a series like that, do I expect the Hawks to go super deep in the playoffs? I mean, I think they have a chance to beat the Sixers, but I I'd probably take the Sixers in the long run, but I, I think they're going to, they're going to push it far. And I, I love seeing the, the real life, like '90s feel of of the of the Knicks series, and I love to see that in basketball because mm-hmm. you know you don't get the uh, you don't get the crowd you know with COVID going on and stuff like we didn't really have a ton of crowds this year, and I just loved seeing the uh, the camaraderie between the two teams, even though it didn't go as deep as I I, I would have liked to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's almost like it's almost like we're back to normal in a way, crowd-wise. I mean, we're I mean, what we're getting like fifteen thousand there, maybe close to that. And I think as more people start getting the vaccine and whatnot, I I think we're gonna get even more closer and closer. Like they'll take off the. You still see like some of the seats covered or whatever, but I, I think we're getting closer and closer to normal. Like as more people get the vaccine and yeah, but uh, Chris, go ahead. I think Dallas is full wide open. I mean, they don't have that bottom part because they just don't want people getting close to the players because of COVID, but um, mm-hmm. I think they're wide open. Um, just a little speaking of a couple of things, but since you were mentioned taking that tarp off, one thing that I hope this whole bubble and COVID has taught the league, which I've been – it's like one of those stupid things that really bothers you that I don't that I never feel like anyone else cares about but me is all of the photographers and stuff on the baseline every year like when they're right up there and there's like a million of these guys with these big lenses and stuff and players crash into them and have to like tiptoe around them and stuff I'm always like what are they there for like mm-hmm. I've never been like like who cares about that shot like with the with digital to like te- uh, photography now, you can zoom in and do whatever the hell you want. Like we don't need guys right on the baseline. And I have not noticed the lack of coverage or the lack of good images from the NBA in the last two years. You know, who get rid of that whole area? Because what I noticed about in the bubble is guys taking it straight line to the rim, super hard because you can hit your layup and fly back through the standard to come back and run around, like clear that area out and let these players play. Like I hate where they have to like be careful driving hard because they got to slam on the brakes right away, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was talking about this before Paul George broke his leg. Like this is all, I don't know. That's one thing that's been bothering me, but on a good note, the, the NBA is in such great hands. Like, Yes, Chris Paul's on his last legs. Um, yes, LeBron is starting to look maybe human. Um, but, man, we've got so much youth. Like we said, John Morant, uh, Luka Doncic is going to be 22 halfway through the year next year even. Trey Young, um, 
you know, even guys like, you know, like we were saying, rookie of the year is going to be announced some. We got Anthony Edwards, but we've got, you know, DeAndre Aiden's playing well. Like, the, you know, Tatum is a stud, full-on stud, dropping 50 whenever he wants. Like, this league, man, it's got to be the healthiest it's ever been right now. you still got the old heads performing, like, first ballot Hall of Famers showing what, what it's all about. And then there's these young kids just trying to, trying to get the scraps, man. It's, it's, the NBA is so healthy. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And even, even like, like I was like, kind of, you were saying, it feels like maybe not every team, but most team has someone like that. You're like, okay, I'm going to go to a Wolves game. Who are we playing? Oh, I want to see that guy play. I want to see that guy get And even, even, even the, even the teams that don't have that guy right now, you, you look at the lottery like, like he got coming. Yeah, you got Cade Cunningham coming in. You got which I mean, yes, we've debated in the past like how good is Cade Cunningham, but you got Cade Cunningham. You got a uh, 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 so Mobley and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's nice. It's fun to be an NBA fan right now. It, it really is, and you know, I, I kind of like this. Uh, you know me, I, I'm kind of like a huge uh, LeBron fan. He's my Jordan. But if we're moving out of this LeBron phase, I think like this league can be totally wide open. Like any team, like the Mavericks could make a run. Or you see the up-and-coming Suns. Another guy we didn't mention, this league being in good hands, he's a little older. But, I mean, Devin Booker. Like look at what he's doing in his first playoff appearance right now. Like he he's playing out of his mind. Like he what he had forty seven in the clincher. Like he's playing great. Chris, you had some. Yeah, you touched on LeBron, and this is another thing I've been kind of beating my head on. What what I want LeBron to do is is transfer to power forward. I want to see LeBron at power forward next to Anthony Davis. You know, you know he'll bring the ball up when he grabs a rebound and goes down the court, but. He could extend his career so much longer if he doesn't have to pound the ball every time up and down and, you know, maybe get some elbow touches for passes. But he could easily be the number one power forward in probably the or top one or two in the whole NBA. Like, who wants to defend him out on the perimeter as a power forward? And he's big enough to bang with those guys the size of power forwards are now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can rebound easily, get 10 a game. Like, I don't. I mean, maybe it's a pride thing, but I don't think it would be a bad move to just rotate down there, save your legs. You can still dominate in crunch time if you want. But, yeah, LeBron's LeBron's great, but, uh, you know, Father Time's undefeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one, one thing you say, you say Father Time's undefeated. But look at – so Marcus Saul, like you, you said – someone earlier said that Marcus Saul is, like, ancient – but LeBron and Marcus Saul are at the same age. Look at what Marcus Saul's doing right now, and look at what LeBron James is doing right now, carrying a team. I mean, it's oh no, it, he's unbelievable. He's a freak, you know. Yeah. And and he and he does everything right with his body and stuff. Like I would hate to live his probably lifestyle. I'm sure it's not full of a lot of fun and enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's about that business, right? Also, one thing, one thing I will say that about LeBron, like in a lot of, a lot of times, like you can, you, I mean, you, you don't know everything about their lives, but when it's all said and done, what is LeBron? Like, what is bad things has LeBron done in his career? None. Like, 
okay, maybe the decision was not great, but still, I mean, he donated all that money to like kids' charities and stuff. It was literally in a boys and girls club. It was yeah. literally all the money went to the boys and girls club that was there. And all he did was choose where he was going as a free agent. It's not yeah. like he forced his hand out of there. He's not like he was like what Carmelo did or what any of these people did that said demanding a trade to somewhere else. And everyone forgets forgives those people. Right. No, I mean, I don't know. I've got a long opinion on why um, people hate LeBron, but I don't know, that might be for another podcast. I think that that was completely engineered by ESPN because they needed a villain. They need a right. villain to sell. Kobe was on his way out. Um, Durant and Rose at the time were the best two studs, and they were both quiet, reserved superstars. So nobody, you know, nobody was really mad at them. So they needed somebody to make a villain. Well, LeBron was their villain. He went down to Miami, and they wanted to make a villain, and they pushed the, the narrative that he was a bad guy for doing that, and mm -hmm. uh, everyone bought on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and if you look into, like, I mean, LeBron's literally, like, created, like, schools where kids can, like, make it to college at a cheaper price. And, like, no, for free. For free, yeah, yeah. He pays for their college. Dude, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, LeBron, such – like, I, I saw I, I saw a picture um, of LeBron basically with his kids and his wife, like, in a car all smiling. And it's like – and it said, why do you guys hate on this man? And I was thinking, like, yeah <laughs> – like, like, who cares if he? And I, I'm not saying like you guys, but who cares if he has a different political opinion than you? Like, who cares? He's putting kids through college. Like, anyway, yeah, Jared, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, you, you guys are good. Um, so before before I before I move into my my scolding hot Booker take, um, oh, with with, Le, with LeBron, you know, one thing that people like. Like just average people say about him is, oh, you know, he's 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 three or he's four and six in finals, and and he, all he's done is choke. The one thing I want to say about LeBron James is he's his exact team from a analytics and an odds perspective. LeBron's supposed to have three rings. From for, I've looked at every single series and who was favored in in those series. LeBron is supposed to have three rings, yep. which is kind of amazing to me because like. It just shows how good the league is, like we were saying, you know, previously. And, and you know, I'm sure one of you guys might want to challenge me on this and go back and look at it because it sounds crazy that LeBron is only supposed to have three. No, I, I know for a fact that's true. And I think Jordan was favored in every single finals except for one, but I think it might have been every single finals. Um, he's not had a great teams. He's went to the finals t 10 out of 11 years in a row. That was – it's unbelievable. Like, mm -hmm. not only because that's an unbelievable feat, but to play that many games, not to mention the, the Olympic games that we're mixing there too, but to play that many games and then come back and play that many games again, like, and that many games again, that's just a wear and tear is unbelievable. Yeah. The, dude, the dude's unbelievable. But Yeah, and I know, just want to say one thing, back. but before, before we throw back to Jared, that's like, that's like you being a fourth grader and you're in LeBron. No, no, no. You, that's like you being a third grader and LeBron makes it to the finals the first time. And then every single year you go to, you go to, uh, you go to elementary and middle school all the way through 12th grade. He makes the finals every single year. <laughs> like, and a little, and a little fun fact. 
like that people like to forget not to get into a Jordan versus LeBron bait debate because that's just that's just stupid to do there's but, no way to um, win yeah no people like to forget the fact that Michael Jordan missed the finals 50% of the times he made the playoffs like he got knocked out of the playoffs the same amount of times that he made it to the finals that's not the case with LeBron but like it's one of those things where like if LeBron would have lost in the first or second round instead of losing in the finals, people would think it's not a, it would be like a better deal or something. I don't get it. Like, Mm -hmm. so like making it to the finals and losing to like a historically great team is a worse thing than if he lost in the second round. Like, come on, man. It's just people being stupid. This makes a perfect transition into my Booker thing because I was going to say that that uh, that Booker has the it factor, whether we want to admit it or maybe we just don't notice it yet. Booker's first, um, I guess, I don't know if you would call it a playoff appearance with the bubble and how they ran things. Technically, it wasn't a playoff appearance, but they went 8-0 in the bubble last year and still didn't make the playoffs. So it was almost like, why were they even there? And then he goes out and he beats LeBron James and – Anthony Davis and the Lakers who were second in line next to the Nets to win the finals this year. Like maybe this dude just has that, that it factor, that, that clutch factor that we just haven't noticed yet. We might be a little early on him yet, but the dudes, the dude's been good. And, and like Gabe said, I think he said, he said 47 in the closing game. Like maybe Booker's just the next guy up that has that it factor kind of like Jordan did. Like, like when he got there, he had the it factor and, and, and Booker has been incredible. And I don't think the rest of the the league or the average fan has realized it thus far. Mm -hmm. And he has a, he has like a quiet 47 too. Like he's one of those guys that, you don't really notice in the game and you look up and he's got 35 in the third or something. You're like, geez, like I didn't even, yeah, he's, he's a stud, man. He's a stud. He makes it look so easy. I mean, he's like all these young players now, like Luca and like Trey, they're the guys that just can maneuver to their spots, not overly, you know, athletic, not overly huge, not, not beating you with physicality. They just kind of slither to their spots like D'Lo and just pump in a shot, slither to their spot, pump in a shot, move to an open spot. The ball kicks to them, pump it in. Like, yeah, they're that that kind of game doesn't go old, you know. Doesn't 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 area ages really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and one thing you you were kind of talking about Trey a little bit, or you mentioned Trey. What I, I was watching game one against the Sixers. What I noticed is, first of all, Atlanta's super fun to watch. I noticed that. 90 or probably 90 percent of the time trey young would beat the first guy off the dribble if, yes yes if 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 the help defender if he goes up on trey or, or comes up on trey he just dishes it off to uh to to an alley-oop to like john collins or whatever big is out there if if he if he if he uh if he backs off a tray he just shoots that little floater over the head like it's he's borderline unstoppable right now Basketball doesn't have to be difficult, <laughs> you know. Like, right. you you know, you step up, I drop it off. You step back, I take the shot. Like, it's just beautiful, simple basketball. Um, it and is. that's the, the 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 Hawks are so balanced and they're so deep 
and they're so well put together with Capella and, you know, how Collins is playing solid defense right now and some of their other guys are playing solid defense that with Trey Young, like the elephant in the room with Trey Young is the fact that he is absolutely terrible at defense. Like if, but the way that their team is set up, you can't really target him because they've, they've got so many good help defenders to cover that, which um, will bring me to a point when we talk about what the Timberwolves need to do. But there's ways that you can cover for a guy like Trey Young and let him kind of be lazy on defense because he's going to be a monster on the other side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jared, you had some? Go ahead. Yeah, you know, so like, I, I love that Chris brings up role players because they get outshined in the playoffs when when you look at look at rosters and you look at star-studded rosters, which are everywhere in the playoffs. But like like when I said that the Hawks would take the 76ers to six games or more, my reasoning was exactly that. Their role players are so much better than the 76ers, in my opinion. And maybe that's just an opinion. I don't know if it's a fact. I'm not going to just sit there and try and say something without backing it up. But like, they are so deep in the positions yeah. that they need to be at. They got they got Gallinari who can be a flash in the pan. They got they got Hunter. They got Bogdanovich. They got Herter. They got they're just their role players are so much better than the 76ers. And I think that role players mm-hmm. get outshined in the playoffs because the stars seem to seem to go and run with it. Not Here's to the, mention a number oh, five pick that's not even getting any time. Like they've got a Kongu who they they can't even play the guy. They've got Chris Dunn, who um, I hated him as a draft pick, more almost the same as Culver. Is ba- I probably hated him almost equally. But, I mean, as a role player, he's a stud. Like, he'll lock you up. I mean, he's been hurt all year. But And then they've got Cam Reddish, who's a good defender, good athletic young wing. Like, he's, he's hurt too a little bit. But, like, they're so deep, man. If they could keep that roster together, who knows? Yeah, and that, that's going to be the big thing for them because – Trey Young still on his rookie contract. John Collins, he's on his last year of his rookie contract. So there's going to be some decisions to make, particularly when you're given a guy like Gallinari, or I think he's making money. Yeah, yeah, 20 a year. So, yeah, there's going to be some decisions to make um, in Atlanta. So a question, uh, one last thing that, that we should mention in the playoffs, and I know, Chris, for sure you wanted to address this uh, and maybe put it to bed a little bit. Uh, who who would you rather or ranking uh, first, second, and third? Who would you want, Ja, um, uh, Luca, or uh, who was the third one? Trey, oh, Trey, Trey. Um, and, and we'll start with you, Jared. Who who would you ranking one through three? Who would you want? In what order would you put those guys? You know, this is kind of a tricky question because I also think. Well, I'm going to give you my answer first, and then I'm going to tell you why it is that way. But I think it's a trickier question than just my basic answer. My basic answer was kind of popular in, in our group, but it, it's Luca, Trey, and Ja. Um, but where it gets goofy is Luca has the highest usage rate of the three. So his numbers get inflated because of the usage rate. Um, and I also think that I'm trying to think of the teams right now. So, so I would say that 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 Luca has the least amount of surrounding talent. His his running mate was Porzingis, who was absolute dog trash in the playoffs. Um, so it, it kind of inflated his usage rate. Um, Lu, uh, 
Trey, who also carries the second highest usage rate, <laughs> it would be my second answer. But like he has role players to work with, so um, I think I think that he's he's gonna get um, he's gonna get enough balance with his role players to where you don't notice it as much as a guy like Luca who can drop, you know, like Luca had the best game of his entire career in, in, in game seven, damn near. And he still lost, you know, like he doesn't have the surrounding pieces. And then Ja, I think is also, I think, I think the Grizzlies have like his usage rate gets changed because the pieces around him are just better um, opposed to a guy like Luca. Um, but I, I think Ja is also super talented, and it's a great question. Um, but I would I would go Luca one, Trey two, and then I would put uh, Ja Morant at three. Chris, go ahead. I mean, the best answer is obviously you know I'll take any of them. Like they're all studs. Um, I guess when it comes to me, it comes to size. I mean, Luca being six eight. 270 or whatever he is he's a thick boy too um that goes a long ways i mean you can do so much more with that size uh i mean it's tough like it's a really tough question um if ja had a little bit of more of a shot that i relied on although he shot decent this year but i mean i just don't trust it um it'd be something but then look i mean trey gets to the line at will like Trey Young will have a bad shooting game and still get you 25 points because he went to the line 16 times and shot 15 to 16, you know, like that is so important. Um, and Luca can't shoot free throws for some reason. I don't know what that's about. He's like a 75% like free throw shooter for his career. Like, I don't get that. So, I mean, man, it's a hard one. I think I would still go with, I think I would still go with Luca. Look at Trey Job, but man, they've all got dog in them. They've all, I mean, it's there's no wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Again, like we said before, the NBA is in good hands, man. Right. Uh, Jared, go ahead. Yeah. So, like, what if you put, what if you put Ja Morant on, let's say, the Magic? Would you be surprised to see him average 35 a game? Because I probably wouldn't. Like, I just think that there's no other surrounding pieces and he would just have to embrace just being awesome that he is. Like, that's what I'm saying when I talk about, like, usage rates. Like, sometimes the guys around you aren't going to look as good in the box score, but, like, Valanchunas is is a beast. Like, that dude is good. And they have some role players as well. This is not a knock-on job. Like, like the Grizzlies – have a pretty quality team and they're probably one star away from making that next leap. But like, this is a, like when we talk about super teams and like star studded teams, like this is what we're talking about. Like you get a young talent that can lead the way and, and jaw is that. And you have a guy like Valanchunas who's all already paired with them and you have a decent set of role players. Like this team could make a pretty decent jump next year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and then my answer is kind of like you. I mean, it's just it's hard to go against Luca. It's it's really hard to go against Luca, particularly when he's got the size and just the ability and just just the fact that he basically by himself took the Clippers to seven games. Like literally by himself. I, mean, I don't even he, know if you should say basically. I don't know if you have to put basically in there. Yeah, okay. He, he did it himself. Yeah. 
he he by himself he put the uh, he, he put the, the the Clippers on the ropes, and uh, so yeah, two I would probably go Trey. It, it's almost like a tie for me between Trey and uh, Trey and John Morant. How how crazy is it though that um, that Tra- that Trey and Luca were traded for each other, like on draft. <laughs> like, t- talk about a mutually beneficial trade. Like, yeah. you, you really can't go wrong either way there. Uh, what? Uh, one last thing in the playoffs, uh, Jared. You wanted to talk about some coaching stuff. Go ahead. Yeah. So this will kind of transition us into our next topic. But like, I said going into the Clippers and Mavericks series, I said. Zubak doesn't belong on the floor, and neither does Patrick Beverly. And if you look at the first two box scores, or even if you watch the first two games of the Clippers and Mavericks series, both of those guys got run. And then Lou kind of like figured it out a little bit later than I did. Not to say that I'm better than Tyrone Lou, who's an NBA coach or anything, but like this is what I talk about like when, when I'm talking about like rotational pieces. And so both of those guys moved to the bench after game two. And I think Zubak played like like four or five minutes off the bench, not a whole lot. And I don't know if Beverly's seen the court since. I, I don't think that he has. But, um, you know, when you're in the playoffs, you got to play your best players. And this is going to go into – I'll, I'll kind of save it a little bit for for the coaching the aspect of it. But, like, there's just certain things that you see that that kind of hurt you in the playoffs. And – and this is also why I don't like the 76ers. I just think they're running a little bit too deep on their bench, you know, like like you can't be running 11, 12 guys on the bench and, and be competitive when the stars matter right now. So I guess that's my biggest takeaway on the coaching aspect. But when we address the absolute nuts of the coaching aspect, I'll go in a little bit deeper. Okay. Um, yeah, one thing about the 76ers – I. I don't know about them because, like, to me, if without the John, and I know you, you, you love Ben Simmons, you would love Ben Simmons to be here and maybe it'd work out here. It's just, I don't know, just Ben Simmons without a jump shot. Yes, he can get to the rim, but I don't know. He, he doesn't seem like elite to me. I, he doesn't, he doesn't pop up that way. Chris, what do you, what do you got? Well, I love Ben Simmons on the Timberwolves. Like, I don't know if I fully love him on the Sixers as, as good of a piece. I mean, if the Sixers had D'Angelo Russell and Michael Beasley or Michael Beasley and Malik <laughs> Beasley on the wings um, and cat. So you've got right. three, three elite three point shooters. Then I love me some, some Ben Simmons, but yeah, if you don't, if you've got, you know, Green, who's hot and cold, and you've got Maurice Stiebel, and you got you know Embiid, who can stretch it a little bit, but he's not really a shooter. Like that's not that's not that same team, you know. Like that's and even even Tobias Harris can shoot a little bit, but he's you know made his money this year in the mid range and in the post. Like that's a lot of guys that are all in the paint, you know. So mm-hmm. he's the type of player that. Something that the Timberwolves need to look for. Find, I mean, not at this high of a level usually, but look for a guy that would fit your role and excel in what you want him to do, and he's not excelling in what their team's having him do, so you can get him at a value. Um, obviously, Ben Simmons, you're not going to get at a value, but, I mean, other guys, those are the type of guys you need to target. Um, yeah, but 
the thing about the Sixers is they're a throwback, man. They can lock you up on D and beat you up down in the post. Um, and they have just enough shooting to keep you you uh, honest. But we'll see. I mean, those those Hawks, man, they got a they got a fighting chance, man. They got a puncher's chance for sure. I kind of think game one was just uh, they kind of just tested the waters with the Sixers. It's going to be really interesting to see what the six, Sixers do now, um, mm-hmm. who defends who. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited to watch that series. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, let's. Uh, so, we've spent about a good amount of time talking about the rest of the NBA. There has been a couple things uh, going on with the team that we cover, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, so, let's get into that first. First, let's talk about. Uh, the, the big thing that officially happened, uh, with, with the Timberwolves, uh, they were officially sold to A-Rod and, uh, Lori. Um, so, but the, the, there's nothing apparently in the contract that keeps them from moving the team. And I'll start with you, Jared, Jared, does that worry you at all? Or do you think it's just, I, what, what, what's your take on the situation right now? Um, I'm kind of at a peace of mind right now. Um, I don't think this team plans on moving. And the reason, the biggest reason why I say I don't think that the team plans on moving is the team, the league wants to expand. So if they were to move, which, you know, there's some dumb clickbait article from NBC Sports Network. I don't remember who the exact, uh, I don't remember who the exact author was. It was Dan something. It was a nobody. That's why you don't remember it was, it was a Joe Bag of Donuts from NBC Sports Network that released this article saying A-Rod wants to move the team to, to Seattle. Well, here's the deal. So say the Timberwolves were to move to Seattle. Then that leaves you one other landing spot that we know about in, in Las Vegas, likely. That puts you at 31 teams again. Like it, The league wants to expand to 32 teams. So... Like, unless you get a team playing in Omaha, I mean, like, where else are you going to find this this other buyer that's just going to build a stadium and dump all this money into? I mean, maybe it's possible, but, like, I'm not buying into it. Am I worried? Uh, not really. Um, A-Rod's a minority owner, and Lori is going to have to make the decisions if, if he wants to move the team, uh, which we've talked about previously. But, like... Am I worried? No. I mean, I guess a little bit. Like, I guess he's got ties to it, and, and Seattle wants to have a team. But, like, they're getting an NHL team. They're getting, you know, some of their expansions. I think really the only the only two landing spots where I see it making sense would be Vegas or Seattle, and then that leaves us at 31 teams, which is an odd number, which the NBA will never do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one, one thing, it just – it seems too convenient. Like it's like you said, the whoever the writer of the story. It just seems too easy to write a story. Well, A Rod spent eight years or whatever in Seattle. Of course, he wants to move the team to Seattle. It's like that. That just seems like too easy. Like it, it's not all black and white like that. Like it, that's not how everything works. Like it's it's a cop out clickbait article at right. this point in time. And he took the easy way out knowing he was going to get some views on the article because people have made those speculations before, but like, right. It's so much more into it. And, and we have a whole video talking about that. 
if you're listening now and, and you're interested in, in seeing our breakdown of, of why we don't think the team will move, um, it's on our page and feel free to go check it out. Right. Like it feels like it feels like the same thing. Like it's, oh, Mark Laurie worked for Walmart and uh, Walmart's based in Arkansas. Could the Wolves move to Little Rock? It it's the lazy way out. As somebody that like like me, I, I casually write sports articles for a different website. And like it's there's there's sometimes there's just easy cop out things to do and be lazy. Like sometimes you have to break things down more and be like, OK, well, for instance, like Julio Jones got traded. Like, like why is why is Here that is. a thing? Princeton Cycles LLC. There you go. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I guess I got. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but like, it, sometimes it's so easy to just take like a cop out answer, you know, and and write a story about it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, A Rod is A Rod is forty five, almost going to be forty six years old. The last time he was in Seattle and probably the last time he spent a night in Seattle that wasn't in a team uniform from opposing team, he was 24 years old. I mean, that's 20 plus years ago. This dude doesn't give a damn about Seattle. And you know what? Seattle doesn't give a damn about A-Rod. Like when he left, they hated him. Like Mm -hmm. he's hated there more than like, any you know more than almost anyone's hated like in their teams like they hate that guy so to think that just the fact that he happened to be from there like get out of here um and and the thing about moving that's really the thing that i don't think gets brought up enough and i brought it up the first time we said this on the purchase is lori or lowry and arod if you take their entire net worth and add it together it's just about exactly the purchase price of the Timberwolves. They've got, I think, 1.5 billion combined. And that's what they paid, or that's what they're going to end up paying for the Timberwolves, which is why Glenn Taylor's owning it as a majority owner for two years, because those guys got to find more more people to put in their put in their their team. They don't have the money. And the NBA said something like, to, to transfer a team or to, or to get a new expansion team, it's like $1 billion or something like that um, of a fee. So for, for guys that are literally, if they sold every car and every pair of socks they have, can just barely cover the price of, the, of their thing they're buying, do we think they're going to drop another billion to move them right away? Like, I don't think so. Like, it's just a silly, like you said, clickbait. Get everyone excited. But I do like that moving to Arkansas bit. We might have to put that as our next title. <laughs> Wolves moving to Arkansas? Yeah. I mean, I mean, Arkansas needs a team. I mean, they can't just go Razorbacks the entire time. I mean, ours- Corliss Williamson. Yeah, Arkansas Razorbacks have sucked for a while. So they need something, um, at least football-wise. But, Jared, go ahead. Yeah, so like like just to add on to what Chris was saying, like we we've talked about this, but like there's a there's a stadium buyout. Like I think what the the, the Target Center is leased to what twenty twenty eight. I mean, no, I think it's like thirty. I think it's like thirty four. I think it's in the thirties. Yeah, so you're gonna look at a forty plus million dollar buyout just from that lease, and then you're gonna have to go build a a multi million dollar stadium on top of it, like. 
you're you're just looking at so much extra money that that like Chris said they don't have you know so I mean like I said it's a clickbait article and, and what is there some steam behind it I mean probably not I mean it, it sometimes sometimes you get views and you make more money and that's what this dude did and like we said it was some dude ne- nobody's ever heard of it was Joe Bag of Donuts I mean I could have wrote that article I write articles <laughs> you should you should just attest it. Just like you should do, like an article that says proof that <laughs> are moving to Seattle. Sources. No, Arkansas. 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 I right. said Omaha. I thought Omaha needed a team. You know, like like where's this money coming from? Where's these big these big guys that got all this money sitting in the in the in the in the U.S. Where are they at? I will say I have been to Omaha. Not a bad city, but nothing compared to Minneapolis. But but. Uh, but uh, if you go to the College World Series, it's actually a fun time. But anyway, um, but our Little Rock, I know nothing about Little Rock. <laughs> so I, I have heard, I have heard from a friend, some of Arkansas is actually very beautiful. But um, so let, let's talk about the team that, like I said, that we do have here with, that we know for now, uh, which we don't think they're going to move. Uh, so what do you guys think? What should the Wolves do to kind of take us to the next level next year? Do you think? It's do you think they need to do a big move or is it more just developing the talent that we do have getting through? I mean, Malik Beasley's prison sentence, which I did see he just started. So he is now uh, spending his nights in the workhouse or whatever. So, um, and we'll start with you, Chris, what do you think the wolves need to do? Is it just development or do they need to make a splash? Well, I'm going to go with what I think Rosas is going to do because I think that's what matters. Um, you know, in, in the sample size of 22 games, when Edwards, D'Lo, and Cat played together, um, we ranked number one in offense and number 29 in defense. Um, currently, I think it's the Hawks were eighth in offense and like 26th in defense, and they're the fifth or sixth seed. And I think um, I think the Trailblazers were like top five in offense and in the mid twenties in defense. So like there is a possibility for just an as is Timberwolves team to be, you know, as Jared said, five, six, you know, around there in in the in the in the rankings. But I don't think we're gonna stay put. I think we're gonna make a move and. I'm just making the assumption that we're not going to get the draft pick um, just because that's easy odds to talk with. Um, I think I personally think Beasley's out the door. I think he's the most expendable option we have. And I think he's the most expendable option that has value, I should say. Um, And the guy that I've completely fallen in love with that I want us to go after, and it's not even close is Miles Turner. Um, They want to move on from him from the Pacers. And the guys, the guys, everything we need. After seeing that Cat actually tries harder and has more energy on defense when he's kind of playing that on the wing and and kind of using his his width and and his wingspan to disrupt stuff, you add the league's leading shot blocker back there. And I mean, things are changing. If we could do something like Beasley and Culver for Turner, which works money-wise, that adds, you know, a young piece to, to the to the Pacers, a, a knockdown shooter. 
they're not using Turner as a big, so they really don't lose much of anything. And they gain a, you know, 20 point per game scorer that they can add next to Levert and um, Brogdon and Sabonis. I mean, that, that right there puts you at least right back where you were, if not even a better team. And not, not only is he a shot blocker, but um, Turner's like a 35% three-point shooter. So with that roster of D'Lo, uh, D'Lo, Edwards, I would start McDaniels at the three, which I've been pounding a stump for him to be a three the whole year, and then Cat and Turner. You have nobody that shoots under 35% from three, and you've got three guys that are almost 40% three-point shooters. Like, talk about a five out. Like, what are you going to do? Like, who are you going to double off to, to try to stop any of those guys? When, when Edwards comes downhill, who are you going to drop to try to stop that when everybody around is a knockdown shooter? I mean, I think that's the move. And I think it works because the, the Pistons or the Pacers want them out. Or, or not even want them out, but just like they realize that 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 that's not working for them. And, you know, I think it would work. I think it would work great. And if we don't move Beasley for him, we could also move Rubio in like a, a future first or something and, and the money works. And the only reason that I could see the Pacers doing that is next year they're way over the cap no matter what. So it doesn't matter. But the year after that, Almost everyone comes off their books, including Rubio at that time, except for Sabonis, Levert, and Brogdon, which are their three main guys anyways. So they'd have their big three, and they'd have something like 40 or $50 million to play with. So at that point, they can go out and get a star. Um, hard to get a star in Indiana, but I'm saying I could see a GM be interested in that. I mean, that's the move I make. Um I think we've got to do something like that. And the other sneaky move, if that doesn't fall through, that I think would be weird, but I would love it in a, in a weird, sick way, would be Porzingis. I think, that, I think Dallas is ready to move on for Porzingis. Porzingis is pissed off at Dallas. Porzingis is, is a – like it's fun to, to throw stones at Porzingis right now, but he's like a career 20 and 10 guy. Averaged like two blocks most of his career, shoots 35% from three, seven three. You talk about wingspan, you get him, Cat, McDaniels. I mean, we've got guys that get in. I mean, that would be a nice team too. I don't like his max contract, but we could fit it. You know, if we do something like, you know, I don't know if I don't know how we'd have to make it work. I mean, we would probably move Beasley and Culver again. I think Beasley, Culver, and Wancho works. So that would give that would give Dallas Luca if they end up keeping Hardaway. So you go Luca Hardaway Beasley on the wing. You talk about knockdown shooters for Luca. I mean that's crazy right there. They've got um, Wancho if they want a big that can shoot. I mean he'd be a bench guy, but they've already got Kleber who's a you know shot blocking three point shooter, and they've got uh, whoever that other big is that athletic big. I forget his name. Uh, Dwight Powell. Powell. And so those guys are under contract. Um, they could pick up some other big like that wouldn't be a terrible move for them either. I, especially if they're trying to dump 31 million or whatever Persingas is making. Those would be my two moves. They'd be big splash in the pans, 
filling the spot of need of big power forwards that can play defense, can shoot the three. And I think either one of those guys in this lineup would put us at a very nice spot in the West. And they're both 25. Like, they're mm -hmm. both right in the same age bracket we need. Mm -hmm. Jared, what, what do you think? Do you, do you, uh, do you still think of the move to make is Simmons, or what do, what do you think? Well, um, I guess my quick answer is whether or not we land the pick. We land the pick, yeah. I'm still in the Simmons, the Simmons bandwagon. However, I will say this about Miles Turner. Miles Turner is a player that I have loved from the beginning of his career up until about two years ago. And the reason why I say two years ago is because his role has changed so much with that team with the addition of Sabonis. Um, Turner makes a lot of sense. The dude just plays defense. What do I say on this podcast all the time? You give me anybody that's going to play defense, I'm in. Uh, <laughs> Turner plays defense, and he can shoot the three a little bit. Same thing. 100% in on that, um, especially if we don't land the pick. That's a, that's a, a non-land-the-pick move. If we land the pick move, uh, we're going to be looking somewhere else where I think. Um, I mean, could we could we take could we take on Turner and and Mobley? I mean, maybe you know, Ooh. like like good lord, you know, like give me some guys that can play some defense. You know, what did Chris just say? We were number one in offense and number twenty nine in defense with the with our core three. I mean, give me guys that can play defense. You know, like so I'm I'm in I'm on board. Uh, Porzingis is a player that I have been absolutely in love with since the very beginning of his career. I also love that move, but I don't love the contract and the money behind it. And I think it's just something that doesn't work out. Does it, does it antagonize, uh, Dallas to make that move? I mean, maybe, um, like, like, like Chris said, um, you get some shooters in there and, you know, good luck, you know, but, I love Porzingis. I just don't love the contract, and I don't think it can work um, financially. Um, it's just it's too much, but I, it's a player that I've loved. And a player that I would probably admit that I'm willing to admit that I was wrong on, you know, like he just hasn't been it lately. And it's it's been injuries his whole entire career, and, and you know, that, that's just a shame because when the dude's 100%, the dude can light it up, and he can play defense. He, you know, anybody that's going to play defense on the Timberwolves, give them to me. I don't care. Who, <laughs> I don't care if it's I don't care if it's Allen Iverson at age 45 who never played defense. Like, give me anybody that's signing up to play defense, I'm on board with. So I love both of those calls. I'm still going to retract Ben Simmons um, one more time, but this is a if – if we land the pick move, if the Hawks were to beat the 76ers, you got to admit that those two just ain't working out. You can't be the number one seed and, and all this and that and just and just not get it done. Um, what the what the transition would, would look like to make that pick, I think it would probably be Rubio, Beasley, Culver, and the pick maybe. I don't know. I'm not a GM expert, but something like that. To get Ben Simmons, I mean, you know what Ben Simmons does? He plays defense. You know what I want? A guy that plays defense. So I'm on board with any one of those three moves. Absolutely. Chris, go ahead. And the thing about the thing about Turner and Simmons that I love is they know what they do, and they do that very well, and they don't do things that they don't do well. 
Like you don't see Turner breaking guys off the dribble and trying to like, you know, you don't see him on Shaq and the fool doing, trying to do stuff he can't do. He's going to protect the rim. He's going to set a screen. He's going to fade, you know, he's going to fade to the three point line. He's he's more athletic than people think. So at first I was super anti get a big next to cat because I thought cat can only play center. I didn't think he could be mobile enough to defend in space. And he proved me wrong. I mean, he's not great at it, but he's as good as he has as a rim protector. So he's fine. And he seems to like it, which is more important on defense because, or on anything is if you like doing something, you're going to work hard at it. So he seems to like doing that. And I watched a lot of tape recently on Turner, just isolating on him and he can move like this guy can move with easily move with, you know, guard or switch onto a, or, you know, switch onto a guard on a pick and roll a little bit, um, move with the power forward. He's pretty agile. Now he's injured and he's supposed to be healthy right about the time the season starts or preseason starts. So there's a little risk there, but you know, I would take that, but he's making 18 million a year. So that's, that's a nice that's a nice contract to take on. That's the one thing over Simmons is Simmons is making, you know, 35 or whatever. That gets a little sticky. Um, but again, Simmons can be a secondary ball handler. Simmons can do, I mean, he's literally the defensive player of the year type guy every year. So I think we got to do something like that. But if we get Evan Mobley, maybe we won't do either one of them. You know, maybe we'll just, uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, we're bringing Balmero in, which I want to talk about in a little bit. And I don't think it would be terrible to have Rubio here with Balmero either. Um, so, you know, maybe we won't trade Rubio. I don't know. But I'm excited for this offseason, man. This is my time of year. Mm. What? One last thing I'll say about Turner is he's kind of been blackballed by the Pacers. Like his minutes are trending down. The yep. dude's young. Like, like there's no reason for that to happen other than the fact that Sabonis is just extremely good. Um, so that whole Turner trade aspect makes a ton of sense for both teams. So um, sure. I'm, I'm proud of you, Chris, with your GM mind. You did good on this one. Mm-hmm. He's 24, yep. by the way. Dude, he's still a baby. But that's the thing with him and Porzingis. They're both injury prone. Or they've both – injury prone is a tough thing. They've both been injured multiple times. Like there's been guys like Curry who were injury prone in the beginning of his year and everyone thought it was going to be – a career going to be a thing. And then he was healthy almost his whole career. So, um, you know, you just got to hope they stay healthy. I mean, that's all you can do on these kind of things. You, you, you make the move and you hope that health health comes with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And let's go, Chris, you mentioned it. Uh, let's go right into uh, Balmero. He's coming over uh, this coming year. So how do you think he fits in? We'll start with you, Chris. How do you think he fits in to uh, Rosas's plan? So we talked about Balmero a little bit, I think, the last podcast. And the thing about him is, um, you know, who knows? Like, I don't really know. I haven't. I, the, what I've watched has been like highlights and clips and stuff like that. So I kind of only go back to what people that I trust that have watched more say. And there's people that watch him and what he's been doing lately in the Super League or whatever. And they're saying dude's a stud. They're saying he is looking phenomenal. And not only he just recently got the um, the most spectacular player of the year award, which usually goes to like the flashiest player. Like Rubio got it, I think. Like 
a guy that that's got that little bit of spark. This dude has it, and he's like six seven. He's got good size. Um, the people that I've been hearing from, and, and I, I would love to name drop them, but I forget their names. Um, you know, I just see them on my limited Twitter feed. And uh, they're saying this guy's going to step in and be like a contributor, like a high-level reserve right away. Like they're not saying like he's a third point guard type guy. They're saying expect him to be like, you know, our, like, a, like our sixth man type guy or seventh man type guy. And if he can come in and give us that kind of, I mean, that raises our floor dramatically, you know? So instead of having like a, I don't know, like a, I don't even know, like instead of having like Wancho come off the bench or, or even like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, just a better comparable player that plays D and can move the ball and just contributes. I'm excited for it. Um, I just don't know. That makes me think we're going to keep Rubio more now because now we've got the Anthony Edwards connection. We've got this Balmero coming over who, you know, is, you know, speaks his language and kind of has the same flair, same, you know, size and same, you know, kind of style of play. Um, I'm excited for the kid. That's all I know. I'm just excited for him. And every everybody that I hear talking about him says that he's going to be kind of the real deal. Like, don't expect him to be an all-star, but he's going to be – a contributor and like a, a, a solid piece. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Jared, anything to add? Yeah. You know what I know about Balmero? Not a damn thing, but I'm going to, I'm going to make a comparison and let you can tell me, cause you probably watched a little bit more film than I have on him, Chris. Yeah. Does he remind you kind of like of a, a, a Denny Avicii from uh, the wizards? Is, is that a fair comparison or are they different in their games? So, Similar, except he's like he's he's like sprier. He's faster. I would say I would say almost more like. A, do you remember Rudy Fernandez? Mm -hmm. So he's mm -hmm. kind of like a guy like that that's just flying around. He's like when I watch this guy, he's like, man, he's like, uh, like JJ Barea type, but like six seven. Like the dude's like cutting under like if a guy if a guy goes for a pass like he'll he'll undercut it like he'll jump the passing lanes like he's he's all over like you can't pick him he like he gets through everything he's just non-stop energy and hustle and uh you know picking guys pockets and he's he's gonna be fun like i don't know how it's gonna translate but with this summer league i hope he's over playing in that summer league and uh it might be a really fun team because we're talking about playing like McDaniels in our summer league. We're talking about Nas playing in the summer league. I heard uh, Culver's going to play. Um, we might have like the all summer team roster. You know? <laughs> yeah, that that one year we went to the finals and lost to the Bulls. So um, right, yeah. Was that Foy's year when Foy was the summer league MVP? Uh, no, I think that was more recent than that. Oh yeah, because they didn't have finals and stuff back then. Yeah, uh, yeah. I forget what year. Was it could have been Levine, maybe years? I don't know, but uh, yeah, I know we went to the finals one year. No, no, it was Ty Tyus was on the team, I guarantee it. Uh, okay, I, I, rem I remember that full yellow, so that's that's kind of a kind of a time. So slot. that would have been Cat, that would have been Cat and Tyus, I think so. Yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, so so one last thing we got to get to, uh, a former. Minnesota Timberwolves coach, and uh, I know you guys have mixed opinions on him. 
Tom Thibodeau wins coach of the year. Do you think that he was deserving or should it have gone to someone else? What do you think, Jared? Uh, my pick would have been Quinn Snyder. Um, I just think that what he's doing in Utah, like when you look at that Utah roster, like, okay, they got Mitchell. He's their star. But like outside of that, like Gobert is like kind of on the edge of being like a star, I guess. But like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in, in, in star category, but like they just have a lot of role players who know their roles and that comes down to coaching. Um, so Quinn Snyder would have been my pick. I mean, you just the the West has been so stacked all year, and it, it's kind of actually breaking down into being a lot less. Like, if I had to place a bet tomorrow in Vegas, my my first bet would be that whoever wins the Eastern Conference wins the finals because I just think the Eastern Conference is that much better right now, which has been so weird to say because, like, for years it's been the West, but, like, I just feel like uh, at the top, the the West is a lot weaker than it's ever been. But what Quinn Snyder's done with that team, like just year after year being a, a solid coach, I think he's the best coach in the NBA. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have a world of talent. Um, he's got some, but he's established the role players to know what their roles are. Um, so is Tibbs deserving? I mean, I could make an argument that he deserved – to win it, um, the Knicks went from from real bad to making the playoffs, and then they got embarrassed in the first round. And just one last thing on the Knicks, you know, like they could be a buyer for Damian Lillard now because of the the uh, because of of Tibbs getting them to the playoffs and and believing in their roster, and that's a big thing in a big market like that. Um. I would give it to Quinn Snyder, but um, I still think that Tibbs is semi-deserving of it. Okay, what do you what do you what do you think, Chris? I'm biased because I hate Tibbs. I think <laughs> he does everything wrong, and I think he's done everything wrong for the Knicks. I'll get into that in a second. Um, I mean, Quinn. It, it comes down to like when people say, "Well, who do you think the MVP is?" And to me, the MVP for the last seven years should have been LeBron James because he's the best player. Maybe not this year, but still maybe if he was healthy. Um, so does it go to the best coach or does it go to the coach that's, you know, moved the wins the most? I mean, like we're talking about Quinn Snyder. They only got, what, 15, 16 more wins, but it's a lot harder to get 15 wins when you already have 40 than to get, you know, a 30, 30 wins increase when you start at 20. You know, like – it's not – you just can't go number for number. Um, Monty Williams, that's who I probably would have went to because he's a combination of both. He's put it all together. He's made that Suns team believe. Um, he, he brought in a new point guard and talked his, talked his star into kind of almost taking a backseat role. Like his number – like Booker's role numbers are down, through, you know, over the board. Um and they're dominant. They they crushed this year, and they went from you know non playoffs to, you know, beating the champs, and, and they're making a run. I know the I know the voting's pre, pre playoffs, which I think is dumb too. But, um, Tibbs, no. So here's the deal with Tibbs. Here's why I hate him getting it, because, I don't think it's that hard in the NBA, um, especially with all the back to backs and stuff we had this year to win meet like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday basketball games. Um, when you're playing 
midweek and you know a lot of teams kind of half coast and stuff like that if you've got a team that plays hard every game you know and you're and you're burning your players out you got your best players playing 40 minutes a game you you're sitting all your your young players and your rookies so they're not developing and you're playing only journeyman vets that know how to play basketball so yeah you're going to get a lot of these I'll call them meaningless regular season wins by playing hard defense and by just playing iso ball, giving it to your best player like you did with Jimmy Butler here, iso ball at the top, let that guy do whatever he can, either score or kick it to some guy for a shot. That's not beautiful. That's not, you're, you're not breaking any, any, you know, basketball records with that ingenious play call. Like that's basic level stuff. It's just when you're full of veterans that are hungry, you're going to win a lot of regular season games. And I don't care about that. Like I, that, that hurts your franchise because now they're going to be, you know, drafting 25th when their roster, if they played their rookies, like most teams would, if they played Obi top in more than 10 minutes, if they started um, quickly, um, which he should have been, if they played Knox to really figure out what they have in him, maybe he's a dud, maybe not. If they played um, that other big point guard that actually shot pretty well this year. That was his big knock, Nico Nikaruma or whatever. Nilakina, <laughs> right. You play these guys, you lose a bunch of games, you draft a top five guy, you know, now you've got Randall, you've got, you know, maybe Obi Toppin, which I hated that pick, but still you got to give him a shot. Like you, you've got guys that you can build on and build this franchise moving forward. You're losing all your these old guys anyways in free agency. So now you've got this money and you could bring in a free agent. And now you've got a team that's young and you can build and move forward. They don't have that now. They don't, they're not going to have that top five pick. They're going to have a team that looks like they're going to always be a seven or eight seed and they're going to get knocked out and they're never going to have enough draft picks to move up and it's just, I don't know. I think it's bad basketball um, GM wise, franchise building wise. And I think it's like, it's like a bait and switch, like for the coach, like, yeah, you can win a lot of games with journeyman veterans, but is that the goal? Like, no, once you get to the playoffs, everyone plays hard and everyone plays hard deep. So when you were the only one doing that in the regular season, you got those wins, but in the playoffs, when everyone's playing hard, that advantage is lost and you get swept damn near. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. That's a good point. Jared, you got some? Yeah. So just moving on with the, what Chris is saying about the Knicks. So like they started Alfred Payton almost all season long and, and he played like 20 minutes and then they would hand it over to Rose. So it was almost like a band-aid piece on like, okay, Rose is going to be our starting point guard, which they did in the playoffs, but like they band-aid piece that all season long. And then he didn't play in the playoffs, like, at all. Like, he played the first game, and then they benched him, and Rose played, like, 35 minutes a game and started. So, like, I, like what Chris is saying is, like, does it does it make sense to do that, like, long-term? No. But, like, if they won enough games to draw a trade piece to where they could land another superstar like Damian Lillard, I mean, you give – Damian Lillard and Julius Randle to Tibbs, who's going to play him 40 minutes a game. I mean, maybe it works out, but, like, it just sets you so far back, like, in the development of any players. Like, 
if I if I was a rookie, the last coach I would want to play for is is Thibodeau because he's going to ruin my career. I'm not going to have a career because I'm never going to develop. Um, my second point is a pretty big one, and it's something I've stood by um, all of 2021, uh, and I've been saying it almost daily. And it is coaches do not matter; they don't matter at all. Look at Mike Budenholz, and he won Coach of the Year twice. They got embarrassed without <laughs> without a healthy Nets team. Like they, coaches just don't matter. Um, and, I, and I hate to say that because I'm excited about our coach. I love what Finch is doing here, but like sometimes, sometimes they matter and sometimes they don't, but as a whole, they don't matter. You know who matters? The players, the players decide the games, the best players on the court always seem to win. And, and when it comes to coaching, you look at a guy like Tyrone Liu, who was gifted championships by LeBron. Do I think Tyrone Lou's a good coach? No, I think he's below average at best, but now he's got us a decent lineup and it took him two games to make changes in the lineup that I said before the series started, like anybody can be an NBA coach. It doesn't take a whole lot. Does it take a lot to be an elite coach to be a top five? Uh, Yeah, probably. But like as a whole, the players decide the games and coaches do not matter. Mm -hmm. Chris, go ahead. I agree with 70% of that. Um, No, I agree with 80% of that because that's how much of the league I agree with that with. If you have a player like LeBron, if you have a player like Lillard, if you have a player like, well, even Julius Randle or or Jimmy Butler, and and you can win games and titles by playing ISO. I mean, that's all they do. That's all LeBron does. They play ISO or pick and roll. That's not hard to figure out. But – if you have a roster like the Timberwolves or you have a roster like the Jazz or you have a roster like the Suns before they really blew up, or yeah, yeah, even still the Suns now, like you need ball movement. Like you need a coach that knows what he's doing. Um, and, and there's not many teams that do do that because unfortunately these superstars, you know, even even like in OKC when they had Westbrook and, and Kevin Durant, it was ISO one guy. If that doesn't work, ISO the other guy. If that doesn't work, pick and roll. You know, like it's just really elementary, like AAU style basketball. Um, that bothers me. That's ugly basketball to me. Um, but that's that's winning basketball right now because, like you said, talent wins. So if you can amass talent, yes, I don't think coaching matters at all, really. Um, because these t- these players are so talented that they can they can adjust on the fly before you can figure it out. Like they'll be making you know adjustments while the play's going that the coach can't help with. Um, but if you don't have that top five, six, seven talent, I think coaching does matter. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I think Finch is going to put us in a good spot. And who knows, maybe, maybe Cat will, or Edwards will develop into one of those talents. And that's what I always wanted out of LeBron. I always wanted him to play for a coach that knew how to coach. He's played for Mike Brown. He's played for Ty Lue. He's played for uh, the Euro dude that he got fired for Ty Lue, which I think that Euro dude was probably his best coach, but he was, didn't like him because he was making LeBron not just ISO every time. So LeBron didn't like that. Um, I get it. None of these stars. It's like it's like your kid. If you gave your kid candy for dinner for three weeks straight, and then you're like, ah, okay, now we're gonna go back to vegetables. They're gonna throw a fit because they're like, no, I'm used to that candy. I want that candy. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's LeBron ISO at the top. That's KD ISO at the top. That's Kyrie Irving ISO at the top. That's you know, it's you know Harden. I just named three guys on the same team. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, like that's what that's what those guys do. I, I don't want that with the Timberwolves. I hope we don't turn into that. Um, but yeah, coaching isn't that big of a deal. But we've seen. Well, coaching doesn't win you, but coaching can lose you. That's the thing. Like right now in in Milwaukee, that first game, he said he didn't want to play anybody over 35 minutes because he wanted them to be fresh. It's not time for being fresh anymore, my man. Like you lost by a handful of points while a two-time MVP was resting, you know, 13 minutes, 14 minutes a game. Come on, dude. You, you got to go for the throat. So I think coaches can co- coaches can definitely lose you, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on that note, we'll put a pin on it because uh, we're kind of running a little late here. But uh, it, it was a fun one. Good to talk about the playoffs. Good to chat about uh, what's going on in the NBA. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for joining us this week. I'm excited for Anthony Edwards to win that Rookie of the Year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Jared. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here as always. Absolutely, just parting ways. Coaching don't matter, but Finch is going to lead us to the promised land, and you better believe that. That's right. He's I the like only that. coach that matters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube, and follow us on Spotify. And re- and as always, go Wolves.